and welcome to another installment of Pull Yourself Together with eShaver Booksellers. I'm Melissa. I'm Jessica. And I'm Annie. Our special bookselling guest for the day. Yes. All right. So Annie has been with us. Longer each... than Melissa has. It's true. Wow, by a week. By a whole week. <laughs> I predate Melissa by a whole week. <laughs> and what a week it was. <laughs> we don't talk about the dark days. Uh, it was early on in the... In in the bookshop, uh, in 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 my ownership of the bookshop. So. Yes, the current yes. regime of the bookshop. Yes. yes, the change of dynasties. Yeah, <laughs> Annie wasn't alive in the early days of the bookshop. <laughs> actually, <laughs> nor was I. Actually, <laughs> I, I was I was about five. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But, a, but a wee lass. But a wee lass. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well. Well, we hope you all are doing well, and thank you all for listening, um, and you know, subscribing and. Very, very flattering. Um, so we're going to continue rambling about books like we do. Um, so Jessica, what's up? Well, okay. I'm going to talk about a book I'm currently reading right now. I'm about in the middle of it. I will probably go home and finish it tonight, although I was trying to save it for just my Sunday afternoon reads. I, I can't I can't let it go. I'm reading Writers, I'm reading writers and Lovers <laughs> by Lily King. Um, it came out about a week ago or so. Maybe like a month, maybe a month ago. Yeah. I mean, it's um, pandemic time, so yeah, yeah. All, time all is different. <laughs> yes, but it is um, it is Lily King's fifth book, but it is about a writer writing her first book, and it's, it's so meta. <laughs> I, know. Yeah. I know. It's set in 1997, like a lot of things are these days. Oh, little fires everywhere. Set I, in 1997, you guys. That's the year I was born. Uh, that's the year my son was born. Yes. 1997 is the new black. Yes. <laughs> it was a good year. Although it was not such a great year for this this budding author. Oh, no. um, she was having a hard time. Her mom had just passed away. She had just had some unsuccessful love affairs. Uh, she was uh, had been working on a book for six years, is working on a book, Um and she's going through a little bit of a dark part when you meet her in the beginning of the book. One of the reviews I read said, this book is not breaking any new ground, which is true, but the writing is so beautiful. And you really care about the character, and you want to bake her cookies and just go over and cheer her up and tell her that she'll come out okay on the end of this. Well, I want to bake everyone cookies, <laughs> and I often do. I yes. like to eat your cookies. So. I like to make you cookies. <laughs> so, Writers and Lovers by Lily King. It's it's really, um, it's just a good read. I highly recommend it. Um, we start out with the main character, who is sad and waiting on tables and <laughs> you get and writing every morning and living in sort of a mildewy former garage um and perhaps that's the problem <laughs> well it's there's a lot you. going on there she has crushing student debt she uh, doesn't have insurance and but all of this gets better through the novel as she sort of matures and she realizes that in her relationships she should be thinking more about what she's thinking about the people instead of what they're thinking about her. And she really matures and comes into herself, and it's it's just really nice to be along for the ride. It's mm. like hanging out with your friend. Okay. So 
I, so I highly recommend version it. of bittersweet or sweet bitter. <laughs> um, yeah, I yes, I haven't <laughs> finished it yet, but I'm yes. It, there are less poor decisions being made at this point in the book, Excellent. and actually learning from, <laughs> from yes. these poor decisions. <laughs> yes, as well, opposed to just making the same poor decision over and over again. Well, and, and there's a better outcome. It's tr- there's some very poignant moments in here when she talks about the loss of her mother, mm-hmm. and, and it's not a surprise you know about the loss of her mother at the very beginning of the book. Um, and she's really wrestling with this. And she writes beautifully about what it feels like to lose someone. And I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I order, divide the world up into people who have, have lost a parent and understand that. And, and people, it's a club you don't want to join. But once you've joined it, it changes you forever. And, and this book captures that very well. So, but there are, there are funny and happy bits in it, too. It's not all sadness. So, how old is she when the book starts? Do you know? Um, when the book starts, she is thirty, thirty-one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, losing your parents at thirty or thirty-one is a really, really shitty time. I know. I, yeah, I, you I know. We've, <laughs> we've yes, been there. we've been there. So anyway, Writers and Lovers by Lily King, a novel, highly recommend. So we're, we're apparently switching it up this time <laughs> and talking about the things we're reading right now first as opposed to doing it last like we did it last time. But, you know, we're all over the place, so just hang on. <laughs> every, every podcast's an adventure. It's true. Um, okay, so what I'm reading right now is in, you know, every way possible, something completely different. <laughs> um, so it is a young adult book, and it's called Witches of Ash and Ruin, and the author's name is Eve Lattimore. Um, so it is about witches, obviously. Um, it is set in present-day Ireland, um, and it starts out with a witch hunter who has come to this small town in Ireland, and you know that he's there for a reason hunting witches yes um but you don't know exactly why he's hunting witches and there's more to it than just he's a witch hunter um and there are two different covens in the book that come together because something dark is coming um so it's a blend of witchcraft with also um Celtic mythology, which is interesting. Nice. So there's a tie-in with um, once you become a full-fledged witch, you kind of pick the god that you're going to be associated with. Oh. Um, and you get this tree of life marking when you become a full-fledged witch, and it connects you with the god that you want to be connected with. And cool. so it's um, it's witchcraft in a in a way that I've never heard it talked about before. Um, I've never had the connection with mythology and witchcraft. So it's it really interesting uh, thus far. Again, it is a YA novel, so, you know, it's it's written like a YA novel. It's not bad, but it's... Um, it's a little tropey. It's a little tropey, which is okay. But it's sometimes tropes are tropes for a reason. True enough. So, yeah, so that's it. Witches and, of Ashes and Ruin. All right, Annie. Dun, dun, dun. I am reading The Girl the Sea Gave Back by Adrian Young, which is the second book in the Sky in the Deep series. And it is a series about Vikings. Oh. But it's like female empowerment and lots of blood and axes and <laughs> romance sprinkled in and now an ocean and tattoos. And it's so much fun. 
So, highly recommend the end. <laughs> <laughs> Would you call it escapist? Absolutely. Which okay. is perfect for this time of So just a, a good rollicking, <laughs> rollicking adventure? A good, a good rollicking adventure. I still don't know where she's going with the second one because she's t- giving us a lot of history in the second book that was not in the first book. The first book um, starts off with a battle and goes from there. The second one is a lot more political in what the different uh, tribes and clans are doing and how they're interacting. So a lot so, more world building in the second one. I think so. And But I'm really enjoying it. And she writes intelligently, which I appreciate, because not a, YA doesn't always get that intelligent writing. Um, and she has done a lot of research, and it's just a really enjoyable, well-written book is, with lots of tropes. Of course. Who doesn't awesome. love a trope? Um, uh, <laughs> Is there only two in the series? Or? Thus far, there's only two. Okay. But she has plans for more. I don't know. I should look it up. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a duology. <laughs> but I feel like she should have more. That's my first It, it sounds Adrian, like if, if, she's, yes, if she's world building, yes. that, that she probably will have yes. more. And the covers are really pretty. Very good. Yes. All right. Would you like a bonus? Yes, definitely. All right. Well, for something completely different, <laughs> I... I haven't mentioned this one yet. I did read it a while ago, but this is a novel called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead, um, which makes it sound a little heavier than it is. It's a translation from Polish, and it was translated in 2018, and then Riverhead Books picked it up in 2019, and then it won the, it was shortlisted for the International Booker Prize. And then it won the national book, um, one of the National Book Awards for translated literature and the Nobel Prize in literature two months after mm-hmm. the U.S. release. So um, it was one of those books that I wasn't sure if I was going to like it as much as everyone else did. Um, and we had a book group reading it, so I picked it up to read it for that. And it was just fantastic. The main character is... Um, She's studying astrology. She's translating the poetry of William Blake. She lives out in the country in this isolated area where she takes care of summer people's homes, and she only has a few neighbors. And the book starts out with a murder, and then it it just goes from there. And um, I really enjoy reading translations because for a minute you get to live somewhere completely different. And this takes place on the... Polish and Czech border, which I have never visited. Um, So I just, it was a great um, description of place and time, and and the characters are eccentric, but really cool, and I, I, it has a little twist at the end. It's sort of a mystery. There's several more murders that happen in here, and um, and I, I was surprised at the ending. Don't want to give that away, but is it set present day? It is set present day. Um, I would say, well, present day, maybe earlier 2000s. Mm-hmm. Not quite present day. Okay. Um, but it is, it's just um, kind of dark and Eastern European, and you feel like you should be eating boiled cabbage and maybe some By borscht. And, <laughs> yes, and translating the poetry of William Blake. And, <laughs> like you do. Like you do. A little dark um, academia. Yes. <laughs> Hiking in the mountains. Mm, and, all at the same time. <laughs> yes, and and she really hates hunters, and she hates ah. the killing of the animals, and so she will kind of try to go out, and she'll say, 
go along or move along. The hunters are coming, and she gets angry when she hears the firing of guns and will mm. go out and confront the hunters who are poaching or hunting off-season. And um, she's a very interesting woman. Yeah. Um, and I highly recommend it. I know I'm not giving it a great description, <laughs> but it really is wonderful. And it was one of the best-attended book clubs. We Oh, God. We, uh, like the... We ran out of chairs. Yeah, we couldn't even fit everyone in here that wanted to attend the book club for this. Um, and it sounds like a very eccentric heroine, which is kind of right, right she, in your wheelhouse. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I like an eccentric heroine. Yeah. And this, this really fits the bill. So if you're a fan of sort of darker Eastern European and Russian literature and you have a um, sort of interesting sense of humor um, and you like a good mystery... I would say this is the book for you. Right. Drive your plow over the bones of the dead. Okay. So before I talk about my next book, I have a little aside. Um, so I have a literary book club, that I, uh, like postal book club that I'm a member of. So we each pick a book and then we mail them around to each other and we write in the margins like notes um, like you would talk about in a book club. And so the book that I just got for this book club was called Valhalla by Tom Holt. Mm. I absolutely love this book, and I just wanted to mention Tom Holt as an author. Um, unfortunately, Valhalla is out of print, so it's not something you can get from us. Um, but he's a British author. If you're into like absurdist humor like Douglas Adams and Christopher Moore, this guy is going to be totally up your alley. Um, we do have, there are several of his books that are still in print and that we can order for you if you're interested in giving him a try, but hilarious. Just snarky British humor. Um, at one point, Attila the Hun has be, been reincarnated into a little <laughs> six-year-old's body who he keeps getting beat up on the playground and he just <laughs> but he still has his memories of being Attila the Hun and taking down all like all of Asia oh I'm raising my hand yeah. so do you remember in um Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mm -hmm. the uh gentleman who is the foreman of the group who's getting ready to plow over the house yeah um was an ancestor ancestor of Genghis Khan. Right. And as he's laying in the mud, he's imagining all his past lives and the sound of pony hooves. <laughs> so kind of like that. Very <laughs> similar to that. Like, um, I, I mean, it was one of those ones that I, I was reading, and I was laughing out loud while I was reading it, and I had to order a used copy of it for my husband to read because I had to send my copy off to the next person in my book club, but he really wanted to read it. So Tom Holt, check him out. He's a funny man. Yes. And, <laughs> and I also man. made uh, Melissa order some of his works that are in, um, well, not made her. I asked her to order for me and for She cracked our... a whip. It was very harsh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I asked her to order some of his in-print works for the store and specifically for me. Yeah. So I could start reading them because Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective, Detective Agency. Agency and the Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul. <laughs> One of my all-time favorites. Yeah, so it, that's so if those are are your kind of jam, you will definitely love Tom Holt. Okay, so the next book that I actually wanted to talk about that is in print and we mm. do have in the store is called Sin Eater by Megan Campisi. Um, so this one, apparently, sin eaters were an actual thing. It was not. It was not a concept that I was ever familiar with before reading this book. But I'm not overly religious, so that kind of has something to do with it. But um, 
So basically a sin eater is someone who would go and listen to the confession of people and for each of the sins that they confessed, there was a food associated with them. And so when the person actually passed away, they would then eat those foods from the top of their coffin and they would take their sins onto themselves. And so that enabled the person who has passed on to die with a clean conscience. They don't have any sins. And then the sin eater takes these sins. And when she dies, those are those are sins that are put on her. Um, so yeah, hmm. Hmm. I know. So how do you how do you get chosen as a sin eater? Well, so the girl in this book, um, she um, came from a you know, a bad background. Um, her mom was, um, a woman of questionable morality. Okay. Um, and then her dad was a good man, but he's died. And so she's left alone. She's starving. She steals a loaf of bread and she gets put in, into jail for it. So they go in front of, um, the magistrate basically. And he pronounces punishment on all these, um, different girls that are in jail most of them are hung for their crimes there's not a lot of uh mercy yeah yeah um but she was made into a sin eater and so when you become a sin eater they put a collar around your neck that has this unbreakable lock on it and it's they tattoo an s on your tongue and you're not allowed to speak to anyone other than to talk about the recitation of sins like at the at the end of someone's life and people aren't supposed to see you either. So, like, people don't speak to you. They don't look at you. You're just shunned by society at this point. Um, And so she finds refuge with another sin eater who sort of teaches her the way of being a sin eater. Um, And um, so then there's a sort of mystery that goes on in uh, and some, like, court intrigue with murders that start happening um, amongst the ladies in waiting for the queen. Oh my goodness! So, and she has a lot of firsthand knowledge of what's really going on. I would, I would imagine. Well, she yes and no. Um, so she, um, she because she's supposed to be unseen and unheard, she can kind of sit back in the background, and people will say things in front of her without realizing she's there or paying any attention to her. So she's she's the one that sort of. Um, takes it upon herself to try and, and solve this mystery. Um, so if you like historical fiction, if you like um, court intrigue, then this is a this is a good one. Um, so it's called Sin Eater by Megan Campisi. Yeah, and it's actually on my to-be-read list. And it has so. a beautiful cover. It um, really does have a so, beautiful cover. Yeah. All right. All right, Annie. Um, the weirdest one I've read recently... <laughs> Um, is Follow Me to Ground by Sue Rainsford. This book is so strange, and I need someone else to read it so I can talk to them about it, because I finished it, and I closed the book, and I, was, I just came away with, what? <laughs> um, that being said, I really enjoyed it. Um, it is a fast-paced book. It is about Ada and her father, who are not human, and they 
live in Louisiana, where, well, actually, I don't know that she, she ever says it's in Louisiana. It feels like Louisiana because it's hot and it's uh, hum so much humidity and it's like in the bayou and there's swamps. And she and her father live in this little cottage removed from the rest of the village. And people come to see them to get cured. And so she and her father call them the cures. And so the cures come to see them and they heal them from various ailments. And all is going fine until Ada grows up and she's old enough to fall in love. Which eventually you kind of question, does she actually fall in love? Is she capable of love? She's not human. What is she? And it's her story of kind of finding her own independence but at the end of the book you're not certain if that's a good thing and someone else needs to read it to talk to me about okay, it. so right. i have questions yes absolutely um do you know time wise like the setting of it it feels like <laughs> sorry we have cat our cat has gotten a velcro um <laughs> microphone cord holder and is carrying it around in her mouth and then playing with it. So that's the bell sound you're hearing in the background. <laughs> on the floor, on the table, on top of the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> um, it feels like the 1950s. Okay. They don't ever, she's never very specific about time and place. So the, the way she talks about her clothing and the way they interact with people and the descriptions of the various cars. Down south, 1950s-ish. Okay. Okay. And so they're not human. They're not human. They're, they look like humans, but they're not. How do you know they're not human? Because of a gross part in the book that is also a major plot point. Okay. okay. So I won't say, <laughs> so. but I do know they're not human. Okay. All right. So somebody out there in the world, please read Follow Me to Ground. Follow Me to Ground by Sue Rainsford. Or if you have read it, um, feel free to email us, yes. eshavers at gmail.com, and tell Annie your thoughts. Tell me your thoughts. <laughs> Also, it's great for people that enjoy um, magical realism slash, oh my goodness, slash <laughs> horror, because it's not quite horror, but it has that bent. Okay, okay. so... And Southern Gothic also. Grady, okay. what? so that would be kind of like Grady... Yes. Grady Hendrick's new yes. book, um, which is... The Southern Book Club's Guide to Vampire Slaying. Yes. Which is excellent. Yeah. Very, very good. Set in... 1990s Charleston, South Carolina. Um, it involves a book club that, as you may have guessed from the title, has taken to slaying vampires. <laughs> yes, and um, we highly recommend it. We love Grady. And if you want to see more about him, he's done a lot of live talks that you can look up um, mm -hmm. about yeah. the book. His book just came out um, last Tuesday, right? Yeah, last Tuesday. And unfortunately, um, his book tour was canceled because of all the craziness in the world. And so he's been doing a bunch of virtual events. And uh, he's just freaking hilarious. Yes. Um, and, um, and delightful. Yeah, just a, a wonderful, wonderful man. And if you have bought his book and would like to have it signed if you go to his website you can mail him your book and he will sign it for you and he will mail it back to you because he's just a good dude a he, is. <laughs> he is all right so who's next uh, it's you it's me yeah. okay so i'm going to talk about a book that i um it's non-fiction and i had kind of forgotten about it until we had a customer order it recently and it, it and it's one of our favorite customers. customers you know who you are and thank you yes <laughs> so it's 84 charing crossroad and it it's a very good book for now because it was written in the 70s but it 
takes place um, in the right after the war in 1949, and it's the letters between um, Helen Hanif, Helena Hanif, no. Helene Hanif, <laughs> Helene Hanif. Um, yes, it's a weird looking name. Okay. Um, yes, and it well Helene Hanif is the author, and it's the letters between her and a bookseller in England um, at the bookstore. 84 Charing Cross Road, which was also the address of the bookstore. Mm. And they were antiquarian booksellers, and they exchanged letters for years, and they developed a real friendship. And um, Frank Doyle helped her. Uh, it fell to him, and he would send her books. And then she would also, she helped them with rations and food and par parcels after the war because England was suffering so much. And um, over the years, they just developed this wonderful letter-writing friendship. Um, she was going to visit him, and um, the year before, right before she was able to go, he died of um, a ruptured appendix. Oh. And so she went the year after that. At that point, the bookstore had already closed. It oh. closed in 1970. I know. So I know. It's very sad. So if you would like a heartbreaking book, here's one for you. No, it's a very thin novel, um, or very thin book. It's not a novel. It's it's nonfiction. And it... Um, it's the letters are wonderful. If you're a book lover, you go really appreciate it, and um, I highly recommend it. It's it's just very readable. It's a quick read and it's poignant. It was made into a play, and then it was made into a movie. And in the movie, um, oh, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins pay, plays the bookseller, and um, Judy Dench plays his wife. <laughs> And Anthony, yeah, and Anne Bancroft stars in it. Oh, wow! So it's it's well it's worth watching. So yeah, yes, like I, movie, I highly actually. recommend the movie, and I um, it is very poignant. Um, the bookshop did close. It was a CD place, kind of CD and records after that, and then it was a few other things, and now it's part of McDonald's. But Ooh. it has a little plaque on it. You can still go see it, and I have seen it that says that this is you know what was here, mm -hmm. and so. If you just want something that's touching and sweet and talks about being apart from each other at a time where travel wasn't so easy and how people communicated through letter writing, which um, is perfect for right now, I would highly recommend this book. Yes, lovely. All right, so I am going to talk about um, some kids' books now. Um, so the first one is called Wink. It's by Rob Farrell, um, and this just came out a few weeks ago. Um, it's a middle grade book, and it is perfect for the same sort of audience as Wonder. Um, so this is actually based off of Rob's uh, real-life experience where he um, was diagnosed with a rare form of, like a rare tumor in his tear duct in his one eye. Um, and so he ended up losing the vision in his one eye and had to go through a lot of treatments. But the, um, the kid in this, uh, Ross, that is going through this, um, is in middle school. And, of course, he's going through these really bad radiation treatments. And he just has, he has to wear a really ugly hat all the time because of the, the radiation. And, um, 
and his eye does weird things and so he's you know middle school is already a time where everyone feels awkward mm. and then added to this yeah is is more awkwardness um but he's got an amazing best friend um her name is Abby I believe um and she's fantastic but he's got another friend they were like kind of the three musketeers and ever since his diagnosis his other friend has sort of been MIA mm. and um you know it's just um a good book for teaching kids empathy and teaching kids that you know the the kid that is maybe a little strange is going through things that you can't possibly get <laughs> um yeah. and so yeah it's just it's very very sweet and it and it ends hopefully and um it's really cute because there's um, little comic pages in here because Ross's mom, um, who died when he was younger, was a was an illustrator and he also draws. So he makes these little comics of Aww. Bat Pig, and, and Bat Pig is going through a lot of the same things that he's dealing with, but in a in a superhero pig kind of way. It's, <laughs> oh. it's just very sweet. Well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it is really really good. Um, it made me cry, but I'm, I'm also <laughs> but in a good but way. In a, in a good way, but I'm also a very easy cry, especially <laughs> in books that involve cancer. Yes. Mm. But highly recommend it. It's called Wink. Wink. All right. Annie. That's a cute illustration on the cover, too. Yes. (laughs) All right. Veering into nonfiction, (laughs) after many, many months, (laughs) I have finally finished Becoming by Michelle Obama. And, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. And it took me many, many months, not because it's a difficult read or a slow read, but I would finish a chapter and I would just have to sit on it and think about it and just kind of absorb what she had said because she has packed so much into this book. Uh, She starts it um, from her childhood and growing up on Chicago. Yeah, in Chicago, but I can't remember if she was in the South Side or just her grandfather was on the South Side, who they called South Side, which I thought Mm -hmm. was really cool. But she talks about growing up in Chicago and she has pictures in here of her kindergarten class which was pretty evenly african-american and caucasian children and then her fourth grade class which was all african-american children and that transition um from everyone being in chicago to a lot of the caucasian families leaving for the suburbs Mm -hmm. um and then her journey growing up and the support of her parents as she pursued her education and wanted to know more and wanted to achieve those goals and eventually going to Princeton, which is so cool when you read about her background and how she grew up, um, to her meeting Barack Obama and their courtship, which is so cute and involves ice cream, (laughs) and uh, to the fact that she never wanted him to go into politics. She married a lawyer, and he just felt this calling to go, and (laughs) she would always sit back and be like, well, if this and this happens, then I guess you can. <laughs> and, you know, a couple years later, he's president. Well, sure. <laughs> well, um, and I loved that she, a big part of her message is you have to become your own person. You're only responsible for yourself. Um, and then eventually she goes into, and your children. But that's later <laughs> in the book. Um, and I love that the first half, the first third of the book is only about her. And... Although Barack is a huge part of her life, he's not all of her life. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just this incredible message to give to women. And I love this story. It's oh, very good. 
So I listened to that book yes. on Libro FM, and um, she reads it, which is amazing. I and, bet. I bet um, <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. But I, when she was talking about her piano lessons, and yes. I thought, oh, she sounds a little headstrong and might have been a bit of a challenge with her oh, grandmother. Yeah. And um, But, <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing book. And I, I feel like listening to her today, you would know she was a little, a little headstrong. headstrong. She absolutely <laughs> yeah. is. And In she, the best way. <laughs> and she's so humble in admitting her faults in here. Like, you occasionally read memoirs yeah. and you're like, you're not as great as you think you are. <laughs> yeah. And this was not the case with her. She's no. so humble in presenting her story and not forcing it on you and not forcing the lessons that she's learned on you. She just says, this is my story. And you take from it what you will. And as a young woman trying to figure out where I'm going in life and what am I doing next, and I'm graduating college, hopefully this <laughs> semester. We'll see. Thanks, pandemic. Um, but this came at such a good time for me in life as I was reading her going to Princeton and trying to figure out what she's going to do and then having this plan of her entire life and it's not fulfilling. And it just gave me a lot of it's okay. I don't have to figure it out right now. And there really are seasons in life and things change. And I don't know. I just think everybody who's ever doing anything should read this book. <laughs> well, that covers a lot of ground. I will agree with you. And I, I coming from a different angle, um, being older and mm-hmm. having been through different seasons in life, I think it's a valuable lesson yes. for anyone to learn. Because if you had told me that I would be where I am in my 50s, you know, I had no idea in my 40s that this was going to be a thing, a thing, yeah. what happened to me. And so, <laughs> yes, I, I also love in the beginning of the book when she talks about being able to make her own food yes. after years of living <laughs> in the White House and not being able to, just the joy of going down and making a sandwich mm-hmm. and walking out with a glass of wine and sitting in a deck chair in your backyard yes. without... Well, there's still people around, there's I imagine. There's still secret there, service. But she didn't have yeah. to ask or tell anybody she was going outside. She right. just went. Yeah. She just went. And uh, Yes. So I love how she talks about her dad. Oh, I know. Well, and her dad in the car. Yes. Uh, anyway, yes. yes, you should read it. And one other disclaimer, you don't have to be, you don't have to agree with her politics to read this book. She's very politically neutral in this book and just tells you her story. And I think that's also a really powerful, she's not forcing a message down your throat and i really really appreciated that mm-hmm. yep no it's inspiring mm-hmm. all right all right jessica oh sorry i jumped Just in there so as we've talked about on all of these um podcasts thus far it's a little hard to concentrate sometimes now and at night i want to read something that's just comforting before i go to bed i'm, mm-hmm. I'm not really up for high drama high jinx murder <laughs> mayhem <laughs> Anything like that. And so I have been, because we're reading a chapter of Persuasion a day, and um, I'm a big Jane Austen fan. Anyway, Melissa turned me on to something that I somehow missed. Which is just amazing to me. But, but I, you know. I don't know how it slipped through the cracks, but the Pemberley Chronicles. It's a companion volume to Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Well, and so, disclaimer, if you do get into this series, there are like 15 of them. Like, it goes it goes for <laughs> generations after, you know. So it really will carry you through a pandemic. It will, yes. ideally. If this goes on for months and months, I will have finished all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Hopefully not. But yeah. it, is it Pride and Prejudice? No. Um, but it is, it is a good read. It's comforting and it's, uh, she does a good job of capturing the characters and sort of what they're about. Um, it, 
it is very romantic. It's um, there's a lot of love between the newly married girls and their husbands, and and there's a lot of off scene stuff that you can imagine going yeah, on. This is this is not one of the Jane Austen continuation books where it is all about on screen. Um, yes, no, <laughs> no, this is shenanigans. This no. is this is more chaste and and it's off off page, but. You know, they're realistic. They are married. They're allowed to enjoy their husbands. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want to ruin anything that happens, but it is, um, the characters are, unlike some of the other spinoffs, too, the characters are sort of lovingly treated. So I think they remain true to where Jane Austen wrote them. Like, they feel Mm, like like the same characters. Yes, like the same characters. Um... You know, Kitty does go to visit, and she is improved from being away from Lydia. Yeah. I can imagine anybody would be. Oh, yeah. I think everyone is improved by being away from Lydia. (laughs) Mr. Bennett comes to visit, and he, you know, the girls actually get to know him because he barely gets to say a word without someone interrupting him in his own home. And so they see a different side of their father. Mm. And there's a lot of resolution in there. It's I, I they're very comforting comforting and I I think it's a good read for right now if you're a fan of Jane Austen. Mm. Um and on that same note, I'm gonna sneak another one in here, which is Longborn, a novel by Joe Baker, which is sort of the downstairs version of of Longborn. Um so it's about the servants, and yeah, it's it's what's happening um, off screen in Pride and Prejudice with the servants, and when Mrs. Bennet isn't squawking for Hill. Yes, <laughs> so it is kind of the story of Hill. Yeah, and yeah. and you get to hear who Hill is, and there's a lot of interesting twists in this one too, um, and it's well written. We've all read it. Um, I actually haven't. Oh, Annie. I know. Oh, Annie. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading other things. You know, it's on the endlessly long, long list of things I'm going to read before I die. Yes. Yeah. Well, Melissa, you've read it. Yes. No? <gasps> you haven't? Oh, oh good. No. Okay. <laughs> it's like the one Jane Austen spinoff book that I have not okay. read. Like, literally. Well, like, you haven't read Mary B either, but you're welcome. You, well, yeah, you told me not to. So we'll just oh, but no, we're not going to talk about books. We're only talking about books we like. So, um, so Longborn, a novel I recommend to Annie and to Melissa. It's by Joe Baker. And it does have a twist that if you don't know about, is very interesting about the entailment of Longborn. Ooh. Ooh. Intrigue. So, yes. All right. All right. Okay, so the last thing that I'm going to talk about, um, I uh, actually, I was putting out the new books that came out yesterday, and um, this was one of them. Um, It is a children's graphic novel, and it's done by Victoria Jameson, who you might recognize from doing Roller Girl, which was a a Newbery Award-winning graphic novel for kids. She also has another one called... All's Fair in Middle School, which is super cute, and it's about um, Renaissance fairs and a, a girl who loves Renaissance fairs. <laughs> like, who doesn't? I know. Um, but, so this one is very different from her other books. It's called When Stars Are Scattered. Um, and it was written with um, Omar Muhammad. And so for a little background on this, um, Victoria Jameson lives in Pennsylvania, and she was 
Um, really interested in the refugee plight when Syrian refugees, when that was all in the news. Mm -hmm. And so she really wanted to do things um, that would help uh, the plight of the refugees. So she would go to the airport and welcome refugee families when they arrived at the airport and, wow. and helped with resettling them into, um, into the United States. And so through this, she met Omar, and Omar is a refugee from Somalia. Hmm. Um, and so this is Omar's story of um, being a Somalian refugee and living in a refugee camp in Kenya. Um, it's he and his little brother. Um, and so their, their father is killed. He's a farmer, and he's out in the fields. And Omar sees his father um, shot down in Somalia, and oh. he runs back to tell his mom what's happening. And his mom gives him his little brother and tells him to just run. And so he runs to a family friend's house, and more soldiers are coming into the, the village, no. and they're forced to leave. And so they're separated from their mother, and they know that their father has passed away. And so their family friend takes them part of the way to Kenya. She ends up passing away oh. on, on the journey. They end up in this con or this a refugee camp together, just the two of them. They're very sick. Um, her the his little brother starts having seizures. Oh. Um, no, just I, I know, I know. Is this a children's book? It is a children's book. Um and so he, so he's sick, and so Omar takes care of him, and the two of them are given sort of like a foster parent in the refugee camp. They have their own tent, and they have their own ration card and everything, but they have a woman that kind of looks out for them. Um, and so Omar starts um, school in the refugee camp, which um, a lot of kids don't get to go to school there, but people recognize that he's intelligent, and he really wants to learn, and so... He makes his way, and eventually, you know, life turns out okay for them. Um, and I mean, it's just beautifully, beautifully done. Um, her uh, Victoria's art is just perfect for this story. It's perfect for kids. Um, so what age group of... Um, I would say that this would be... Um, Maybe 10? I would say 10 to 12, probably. Although, I mean, as an adult, I... Really, really so enjoyed ten this. So ten to ten to whatever. whatever. Yeah, ten to Tim. Yeah, ten to Tim. <laughs> <laughs> or <But> older. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really, really great. Um, so when she had met Omar, um, he was working on a memoir um, for adults, and they got to talking, and she convinced him to let her do it as a graphic novel for children Aww. because she thought it was an important story for kids, mm -hmm. um, and. Yeah, it's just it's absolutely beautiful. And in the in the back, there's back matter um, that there's pictures of Omar and his brother in real life, Aww. and it talks about um, there's a picture of Fatuma, who's their foster mother, <laughs> who they they got to actually go back and see after they were resettled. They found her again, um, and I'm not gonna give away. There's there's stuff at the end of it that they don't talk about in the graphic novel mm -hmm. but you have to read the back matter and I'm not going to mm -hmm. give that away because I think it's it's a nice thing to read once you're done got it and yeah so it's just it's beautiful so mm. very nice and what is it it's called when stars stars are scattered um and we actually have signed copies of it which oh 
Yeah, and that's very cool. It's very cool. It's just, it's a really, really well done graphic novel. All right. Yay. All right. My last one is a series that I plowed through because they're that good. It, the first one is called The Dark Days Club by Allison Goodman. It's the Lady Helen series, and it's three books. And it is about Lady Helen, who is coming out in the se- for her first season in 1812. And she finds out that she is actually the direct inheritor of the Reclaimer gift, which allows her to reclaim souls from demons. Oh my. Yeah. Da, 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 da. But it's difficult because she has to wear a corset. Anywho. Well, that, everything is difficult while wearing what? a corset. It does keep so, your posture. Well, so, posture's not difficult, but breathing is. But breathing, you know, <laughs> moving quickly. Yeah. Um, and so it, the first book is all about her finding out that she's inherited these special powers and now has to join the Dark Days Club to help save England from the, oh my goodness, what are they called? <laughs> the demons, but there's a special name for them. The evil it'll, demons. It'll come to me after <laughs> yeah. we finish recording. Um, and her trying to balance that with the fact that she has a ball to plan and she has all these expectations and she has to have a husband, but that's really difficult to do when you're running around chasing demons. Um, and then of course she eventually finds this very dark, mysterious man. Oh no. And, (laughs) but it's, it's difficult because he may or may not have murdered his wife. And then, (laughs) um, there's also, (laughs) right. And then there's also a duke. Oh, there's always a duke. He's great. What a guy, may I just say. He's very handsome. You can't see him, but he is. And it's just, like, like, okay, so fluffy you, you and can't, wonderful. You can't see him because he's in the book? Yes. Or you can't no, see no, him? No, no, <laughs> he's, no. He's invisible. No, no, because he's in a book, and they never do a drawing of him. Right. Why? Gotcha. Nobody knows. Well, you but, can imagine him better that yes. way. But I liked this love triangle because it's not your typical love triangle. Um, in that she has feelings for both of them, which is typical, but there's a, there's just so much more going on and it's not important, but occasionally she's like, but also I'm 18 and it is important. And I just really love that Alison Goodman does so much research into the world of 1812 and all of the various polite niceties and what they had to do and what they were expected to do. And she really plays with this idea that I feel like a lot of YA throws out the window of she has these expectations in society and it's not easy to let go of them. And she also deals with the fact that the other members of the Dark Days Club are male. And so they can just be seen running around. People are like, oh, they must be high. Those scamps. (laughs) She can't because it would ruin her reputation. And she plays with the tension of do I save this person's life at the expense of my reputation? I am the daughter of such and she such, and needs it matters. a really good ladies maid to go. She around. does. She has one. Darby. Okay, she's wonderful. Yes. I can't believe I forgot about Darby. Well, <laughs> because, because if you have a chaperone, things yes, are better. She had a chaperone, but it's there's so much going on, and okay. her mother may or may not have been a traitor. <gasps> oh no. So, is there anything else that's different in the world building? Is it like steampunk, or is it? It is, is not it, steampunk. Okay, so everything is just, everything is normal, which I kind of like except, for, that. except yeah. for there's a hidden world of demons that only some people know about. Okay. I so feel like that often. They, they seem like <laughs> they seem like they have the feel of like Gail Carriger's like parasol protectorate, like that sort of but idea, but funny, but not okay, not, not funny. funny, interesting, very serious, and it has funny moments because you love these characters. You come to really love all of the characters, and they have some hilarious uh, 
situations that they can get into. But whereas the Parasol Protectorate series is funny, mm-hmm. uh, the Dark Days Club is a little more dramatic. Okay. Okay. But also still like a really good historical demon infested world. Romp. De- demon <laughs> romp. infested romps. Yes. <laughs> so it, the name of the series is? The Dark Days Club. Well, it's the Lady Helen trilogy. Okay. The first one is the Dark Days Club. And it's by? Allison Goodman. They're so good. All right. Well, I think that we have one more book that all three of us have read, and this is the last thing that we're going to leave you with. And it is I Capture the Castle by Jodie Smith, who, if you don't know, is also the author of 101 Dalmatians. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is a young adult, technically, because the um, protagonist is 17 Mm -hmm. at the beginning of it. Um, but it's but really not a young adult. It's suitable yeah. for, I think, people Everyone. who are fifteen or so, fifteen and up, fifteen yeah. and up. Yeah, but it is it is technically classified as a young adult, but it definitely is a crossover in the same way that Lord, like sort of Pride and Prejudice, you know, yeah. that sort of younger right. heroine but more adult book. Yeah, and more adult situations. And it it we we when we we file it in the adult novels, mm-hmm. we don't put it in YA because. Yes. Um, and there's actually, if you read the book, there is a movie which doesn't disappoint um, that you can watch. Seen it. Oh I my goodness! I haven't seen it yet either. I have it, but I haven't watched it I yet. I loved the book. Okay, though. it completely does not disappoint. Bill Nahi Nahi is the father, and it's got Romola Gary in it um, yes. as uh, Cassandra, right? Cassandra, yes. yes. Um, and which, it's and there's yeah. just some wonderful lines in it, and there's. It's funny, but it's also a coming of age, and it's, it's about warm. It is. It's it's warm. It's about two sisters whose father is a famous writer, and he's written this novel like Ulysses called Jacob Struggling, mm-hmm. and and that's all he's written. written. That's it. Yeah. One hit wonder. Yeah. yeah. Well, he wrote that, and as as she says in the book. You know, he was never going to be able to follow that up with a sequel. Mm -hmm. And so he has serious writer's block. Things happen, and they end up living in this castle with a stepmother. A a ramshackle castle. Falling apart. Yeah, when we say castle, not not a nice castle. Not a nice castle. (laughs) A drafty castle. A drafty castle. A leaky castle. (laughs) With just about zero income. And the girls have lived on their own and sort of relied on each other. Because um, their their stepmother is a very eccentric. She's eccentric. <laughs> she's wonderful, but she's eccentric. eccentric. She yeah. is Topaz is her name. Yes, yes. and she, she's not an evil stepmother. Thank no, you. I thought she was initially. I was like, oh no, but then you no. get to know her and you love her. Oh, yeah. she's absolutely not evil. She's just a little. She's nutty, but she's not evil. Right. Yes, <laughs> and and, and they yeah they are they are living in poverty, um, but making the most of it in mm-hmm. a very artistic way. But the girls really know nothing of. Men of they only have books they've read. They don't have any experience outside of their family experience. Yeah. Um, they've both finished with school, high school, and mm-hmm. now they're just kind existing, of existing in this village um, until until the two brothers mm-hmm. who are American, who are the inheritors of the land and this castle that they are staying in, come to town and. 
and and their life starts to move forward again. Yes. And um, the hijinks begin. <laughs> yeah. Although, I, yeah, I wouldn't really say hijinks, but no. it's it's there are some hijinks. There are there some hijinks. Um, but it's it's interesting how they start to interact mm-hmm. and re-enter society after this long quiet spell in all of their lives and um and and the girls attempts are are fun because they really they have they don't know how to flirt (laughs) properly they don't they oh yes it really is good um and cassandra is also a writer um she writes many a thing in her notebooks and and the story is narrated and told by her and it's really made up of of her sort of journal entries yes. and her voice. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you haven't read it, it's a lovely novel. I don't think a lot of people know about it and know that Dodie Smith wrote this. Mm-hmm. I stumbled across it on an NPR reading list and picked it up probably, oh gosh, 20 years ago. And then I begged people to read it so I'd have people to talk to about it. And I think I got Annie to read it first. You mentioned it to me and I found it in Shakespeare and Company. I, mm-hmm. It was like faced out and I saw it and I was like, well, I guess I must buy this. Yes. <laughs> and it was I read great. it while I was in France. It was magical. Perfect. And then Melissa agreed to read it as well. Yes, yes. we got her. And well, then... And I will say, when I was reading this, like I got to a certain point and I was like, oh, this is what's going to happen. And I told Annie what I thought was going to happen. And I was so wrong. <laughs> and I did such a good job of being like, I don't know, Melissa. Maybe. So this is not a book that's wrapped up in a neat little package at the end. This book is more like how life works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, it is a a very true-to-life ending of it. mm -hmm. And it it does not tie up in a bow like a Hallmark movie. No, and it takes place between the wars. Um, Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, And so they're in sort of the Depression. Mm -hmm. And um, it it is. And it, it, I just... Yes, I want more people to know about and read this book because Agreed. it's a great it's book. a real treasure. It is. Yeah, it is a it is a fantastic, uh, fantastic book. So yeah, um, okay, that's okay. all we have for you this time. Um, again, thank you all for listening, and hopefully you heard some interesting books for you. And um, we yeah. will we will talk to you next week. Take care of yourselves. Read, yes, be read healthy. books and be well. <laughs> yes, and snuggle with your pets and try to get some exercise. Unless it's a fish. And le- <laughs> Don't snuggle fish. That's bad for them. <laughs> Ow. Okay, but, Annie. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> have a good one. <laughs> Bye-bye.